Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our guest, the incredible Kevin Conroy. Kevin! <laughs> Great to be here. Thank you, for, thank you for inviting me. Kevin, it's an absolute honor to have you on the show, mate. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm in New York. New York has opened up again, which is wonderful. It has. Um, yeah. We were really, you know, New York was really hit hard uh, by the pandemic last year and everything was locked down for a long time. It was sad to see the city um, so empty. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, um, but now it's really, it's really back in a big way. It's picking up even like the Broadway side of things. Is that starting to get yeah. back into yeah, the flow? shows have started again. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Hopefully, um, the Delta variant won't throw things off again. You know what I mean? Because I I know you're a huge Broadway fan, so I'm sure yeah. you'll be back there asap. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> what about on the stage? Look, I've been lucky through this yeah. whole year because the one part of the industry that kept working was the voiceover. Uh, part mm. of it because we could all record from our homes. Most most voice actors have home uh, recording setups, and um, so I I stayed busy all year. I was really fortunate. Um, but most actors, ninety five percent, were just just really decimated by this. Mm. So you already had your own home booth before the pandemic hit, or I I had sort of a you know, a, a half-ass version. And then yeah. um, when it became apparent that I was going to have to do all the work from home, I, 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 I goosed it up, which a lot of people did. What's the first thing to upgrade? Is it the mic? Is it the, the, the room, like the foam? What, what's the first thing that gets the I already had a I already had a soundproof room, um, but I got a much better mic and I got a new MacBook Pro. So I could put all of the software. Uh, upgrading the software was the most important thing, and was the most expensive thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah but yeah. Um, you know, so it's, it's what you do. Everyone is thrilled to have you here. Um, the legend himself, Kevin. Kevin, that's an awesome collection. Says the Black Swordsman. I'm I'm looking at that collection behind you as well. That's well, I placed them just for you. Oh, okay. Usually they're say. spread around the. Usually they're spread all over the bookcases, and I thought, no, I'll give myself a, a framing of characters. So we got we got the um, oh look at this! How many? I, I actually want to know how many collectibles have you got over the years? Like you That's must a lot. like? Do you have a shrine room of Batman now, or do you just is it in boxes or what? I have all kinds of stuff because it's <laughs> such it's such great material. The yeah. biggest thing I did was uh, I started investing in cells um, early on because I've been doing this for 30 years. And um, I started buying Batman cells and then um, d diverged into um, all kinds, Looney Tunes, um, um, Hanna-Barbera, um, all various um, cartoons. So now I've got about, I've got about 60 uh, cells. Um, so it's a whole couple of walls full. Unbelievable. I can only yeah, imagine great. after 30 years how much merch and stuff that you have. You almost <laughs> must be like, can you just put it, give it to someone else at this point? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do have boxes. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how have you been besides you know with covid and everything how have you been have you been um on top of things keeping happy keeping safe yeah yeah um you know it was a challenge for everybody because we were so isolated by by necessity and um for me it was about being disciplined and getting up every morning and uh, making myself do a two-mile walk um, I used to run every day, six miles a day. So it's like wow. for you guys, it's like it's like ten k for you guys. Are you which is, every day, is every morning, which is the perimeter of Central Park. There's, um, um, I did that for decades, and then as I got older, my knees started bothering me. Yeah. So I I slowed down and I started just doing long walks. So during this year and a half, I every morning got up and did a couple of miles, and then set up a. A, a weight room. <laughs> why? Kind why you a, lo- kind of, well, it's kind of a half-ass weight room, but you okay. know, just to stay in shape, you know, and just to to get out of my own head. I think it's such a problem when people are are stuck in their own heads during a lockdown like this or something, and uh, it's not good for you. No, and um, uh, I, I do. I, I'm involved with this cameo. Um, uh, you know the, the yeah. You know, if, the cam- if anyone wants a shout out from Kevin, head to cameo dash Kevin Conroy, I believe it is, yeah. and you'll do a personalized message. So I'm guessing you got a yeah, lot of those. I, I started doing those a couple of years ago, and okay. initially it was all like, you know, happy birthday, happy graduation, happy anniversary, you know. But in the course of the 18 months, it's it was amazing how it changed and how it became. Um, we're so sorry we lost your job. Uh, we're with you. There'll there'll be another job around the corner. Um, we're so sorry you're sick. Your family is behind you. They can't visit you in the hospital right now, but they love you and they're with you. Um, I'm so sorry you lost your, you know, parent or you know. It was mm. it was dramatic how the messages changed. Uh, it was a real wow. um, sort of window into what people were going through, um, and people ended up needing. Um, pep talks uh, Mm. to get them through what was a really dark time because a lot of people who live alone were suddenly locked down and in complete isolation. Um, So it was, it was a real interesting window into what was happening all over the world. I mean, the whole world was locked down. It's a crazy time. We're we're still locked down here in Melbourne. (laughs) You know, Are you? I've this. This is heading on months and months now of lockdowns on and off. So luckily, I'm fortunate enough to do this for a living, so I'm all right. But yeah, it puts your perspective yeah. in shift when you hear people losing jobs and things like that, oh, doesn't yeah. it? Mm. Oh yeah, this has really been so hard on so many people. But um, but yeah. So you're lucky to be able to work from home, and and as 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 as, as am I. So but doing this role for 30 years has been such a trip. Uh, I was, it's such I was, a trip. I mean, when you 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 know what this is like. You audition for a job and they they book you for nine episodes, um, which is, you know, when when series are bought, they're bought in chunks. And a full series is usually 22 episodes. So they might buy nine and then they might buy 13, a back 13, or they might buy 15 up front and then a back seven. Um, but that's how things are ordered. So all you really know you have when you get into something is that order for seven episodes or nine episodes or whatever it is. Um, 
And you're never guaranteed anything more than that. You don't know how it's going to resonate with the audience. You don't know necessarily um, what it's really going to really look like. Because when we started doing uh, Batman, the animated series, it was literally 30 years ago. It was 91. And Batman had never been an animated show. So all we really had to go on was, first of all, the Adam West show from the 60s, which was completely opposite of what they were going to do. But then the comic books, um, that was really what had existed up to that point. And they showed us sketches of what the characters would look like. But I don't think any of us really understood the scope of the show. So for the first six months, we were, you know, the actors are the first part of the creative process. They write the scripts, they give them to the actors, the actors perform the scripts. And then those recordings are sent off to the artists. And the painting is done after that, the, the artwork, uh, the rendering. And then it comes back and there's a process called ADR, where you sync up the soundtrack with the visual, with the artwork. Um, Because there are always extra mouth flaps or, you know, scenes are longer than they thought they would be. So you have to create dialogue. Um, So it was that first ADR session when I first saw what it was going to look like. And I sat there in a studio at Warner Brothers and this full screen came up and this color came up and the full symphony score and these incredible Artwork painted on a black background. So everything was so dramatic. Goosebumps. I looked, at Bruce, I looked at Bruce Tim and I said, I had no idea this is what this was going to look like. This is <laughs> unbelievable. So it was it was overwhelming to all the actors. Did you not really. expect it to be so dark? No. And I didn't expect it to be so rich. Mm. Um, the artwork is so rich. It's all hand-painted. And the colors are so dynamic because it's on that black background. And the style is that deco noir style. So there was just a richness to it that that I didn't really appreciate uh, was the way it was going to look. Well, you could release that show now, and it'd, I believe it would be a cult hit as well now. Oh, it still is. I mean, it's oh, still... I know, but- I get approached all the time at Comic-Cons by people who say they just turned on to the show and can't believe how incredible it is. Yeah, you're right. It looks new now um, because they spent twice as much money per episode as had been previously spent. Mm. Um, They doubled the budget at Warner Brothers and it looks like it. It, It's why it's, it's why it's, why it has withstood the test of time the way it has. So with, with fans coming up to you, do they mention the animated series the most or is it the Arkham games that gets mentioned or what is there one thing that gets mentioned over everything else for you or is it a mix? It's a mix. Yeah. It really is a mix. The younger fans tend to be more uh, gamers. Um, yeah. But I would say generally, overwhelmingly, it's the animated series. That that audience only seems to grow and grow and grow because it's 30 years ago. So people who grow grew up on it now are in their 40s and 50s and they have kids and they're introducing their kids to it. So there's a whole new young audience now coming into it. Um, but I'd say it's overwhelmingly uh, the animated series. So, you, because, you know, it was never it, you know, it was never geared to be a kid's show. Nah, it had yeah. to be it had to be kid friendly, 
but it was never, it was never written for kids. It was never geared towards kids. It was, it was really geared towards young adults. The biggest audience was college age uh, initially. It was originally a primetime show in the States on Fox. It was, um, it wasn't designed to be a kid's uh, show, but it had to be broad enough to appeal uh, to kids. Mm. Um, But so the characters are all really complicated. There's a, Batman is not a traditional superhero. He can't fly. He can't see through walls. He has no superpowers. He's a, he's more of a detective. Some people call him the great detective. He's, he's a complicated, dark, damaged man. He's been damaged by life. So in that sense, he's a very modern hero. He's a very contemporary hero. I got to say, I was listening to you and Michael Rosenbaum talk on a on a podcast recently, uh-huh. and you you opened up about the story with your father. And man, that story is absolutely incredible. I mean, what a what a story! I just yeah. like was that hard to open up about that in that sort of forum, or or what? <sighs> Actors like any artist, the more vulnerable you can make yourself, the more exposed you can make yourself, the better you will be. Um, Actors are always striving to, to arrive at a purer form of truth in their performance so that the ego doesn't get in the way. And the way you get there is by really exposing your darkest side, mm. your, your, your deepest pain. Um, you have to be willing to be ugly and to be exposed. And it's a very vulnerable feeling. And it's a very dangerous feeling because if you're going to really expose yourself like that, if you're going to go to the edge emotionally, and then someone says, ah, I don't think he's that good. <laughs> That's brutal. That's brutal. Because you've you've exposed everything you have. So when I was younger, I was much more um, protected mm. of protective of myself. As I got older and as I got more um, courageous, I guess. Um, I was able to stop acting mm. and allowing myself to be and to expose who I am. And in Batman, he's such a damaged man. And the universality of that, I mean, he lost his parents at a very young age. And that is the the wound that he's trying to to repair throughout his life. But we all have wounds that we're trying to repair throughout our lives. Everybody does. No one gets out of here without getting the shit kicked out of them. Mm. You know that. And for me, it was a very complicated family dynamic. Very complicated. My father was an angry, um, brutal drunk. Um, And my mother was very um, wounded and beaten down uh, by life. And um, 
when I was a kid, everything just disintegrated around me. So when I was in high school, everything just, you know, parents split up, they, people moved away. I moved in with friends to finish high school. Um, I got a scholarship to go to Juilliard when I was 17 and I moved into New York and I got my first apartment and I never went back. So I've been supporting myself uh, since then. But I felt that to deal with the world, I had to have a, a suit of, of armor on and I wouldn't share those stories with anybody at all. And it took me years to realize that everybody is damaged by life, everybody. And the only thing that makes an actor interesting is in when he is willing to share that and to allow himself to be exposed like that. Um, and eventually I, I reconciled with my father and I took care of him in his old age. And I was with him the night that he died. And I was by his bed and I was getting him in and out of rehab. I mean, I was, I was mm. desperate to try and get him sober. And, um, and he would go through periods of sobriety and then he'd go through, you know, raging uh, drunks again. But um, uh, that was the, the wound that I brought to Batman. Um, and that I was able to translate that into um, Bruce Wayne's uh, wound. And for me, it all came up in Mask of the Phantasm when I was at the grave of, of, of my father. And Bruce's as in, you got act, emotional doing the voice, or is that what you mean, or what? Oh yeah, and like crying. I mean, it all it all came out, and, wow. and 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 it was like, please, please, please release me, please. And Bruce doesn't know what life can be. He didn't know what life can be. And suddenly he realizes what it's about. It's not about vengeance. It's about love. It's about sharing. He's fallen in love with Andrea Beaumont, but he has to be released from this vow. And just at that moment, a flock of bats come screaming up out of the earth and they pull him back down to his fate. It's like a Greek drama. He mm. can't escape his fate. And I did this performance and Andrea Romano came into the recording studio. She's the director and she put her arms around me and she said, I don't know where you just went, but that was perfect. And we got it in one take. She said, I don't know where you went. Are you okay? <laughs> I said, well, I feel like I've been through therapy because <laughs> a lot of shit came up, but um, yeah, yeah. So does that does that happen nowadays in the last let's say decade? Do you get to that state of emotion, or are you more in check now, or what? I hope so. I hope it comes up. No, I, I mean, I mean, like in edge. in the booth, are you are you you know are you visibly crying and that sort of thing nowadays, or is it? Are you able to express that without going to a a dark place? Um, I I I. I I haven't had to stretch in that area as much. Yeah. What the, the area I've stretched into more recently is like at the end of Killing Joke. Oh, when what that a man almost becomes the Joker. That's I mean, unbelievable. He, that scene. It's. I was so proud of where that uh, went and being able to go there with that. Um. So yeah, I stretch all different kinds of muscles when I'm when I'm in the booth. I had um, chills on that scene. 
because I obviously I knew the comic, I knew where it was going, and man, just oh. seeing it on the screen, beautiful animation, you and Mark, oh, something about it, man, that just it just he is the most incredible actor to work with. He is so generous. He loves other actors. He loves it when another actor is being incredible. And one of the most wonderful things, I was in the studio with him once, and I suddenly burst out laughing. And Andrea said, Kevin, stop it. Why are you laughing? I said, look at Mark. And he was over across the room and he was going like this. <laughs> and he was staring at one of the other actors. And he looked like he was about 12. He looked like a 12-year-old <laughs> kid looking at a candy store, you know, and I said, look at Mark. He looks like he's 12. And it was because he was delighting in this other person's performance. And there's a generosity to that. That is wonderful. That's wonderful. I love working with Mark because not all, not all actors are generous that way. You know, some of them are only concerned about themselves and their own performance, but Mark really loves to watch other people work. And, and he gives me so much. Um, to work with. And, and, and it's wonderful that he has said, I give him an awful lot too. So we, we work really well together. So but I've been looking at this show over all this time because Andrea Romano is a wonderful casting director and she brings in people who love to play people who are willing to play ball. You know, mm -hmm. actors are people. There are generous ones and selfish ones, nice ones and mean ones, ones you really want to work with and ones you want to run away from. They're, they're just <laughs> like people. And she brings in the people who you really want to work with and play with. I oh, mean, Roddy McDowell, Roddy McDowell. Um, it was all these wonderful actors over the years. They've been incredible. So what's your relationship Trump. now with, with Mark? Do you like when he was doing the Star Wars films and he had that resurgence in his um, acting career, were you bugging him like, What's what's going to happen or this and that or what like what's your relationship like now? Well, he did take a little bit of time off from um, from recording because he was just so involved in uh, the Star Wars stuff, which shot. I think a lot of it shot in Ireland and England. Um, yeah. So he was just, you know, really busy for a while. But but no, he's he's kept doing uh, voice work. Um, I just did something for Kevin Smith, uh, Masters of the Universe. Uh, with with Mark, uh, he's doing the voice of Skeletor. So um, no, he's he's just such a talented, a talented, wonderful person. Would you say so, there's uh, a chance we get you and him back as Batman and Joker one more time in the future, or what? I hope so. Oh, I me really too. So. <laughs> me it too. It would be so much fun. Oh. Uh, it would be fun. But I, Warner Brothers initially they used me pretty steadily through the nineties and up yep. to 2000. And then, you know, when the movies came out, the live action movies, um, they came up with this idea to not have one person do the franchise. You know, when Michael Keaton started doing Batman on camera, I thought he was the one who was going to do all of them. He was, he was brilliant. He was wonderful at it. And then they started using other actors, you know, Christian Bale and uh, Val Kilmer and George Clooney. And it, and, um, at first, I thought it was a strange choice. And then I realized it was kind of brilliant because each actor brought a different quality to Bruce Wayne and Batman. And it was so interesting to see how different actors played it. Well, they started applying that philosophy to the voice work, too. So yeah. although I had it for most of the 90s, they eventually started bringing other people in. And um, so now they, they're always moving it around. Um, so I would love to do it again, but I don't know if that's going to happen.
What was your what's your reaction when they started doing that? Were you, were you annoyed? Like, because I I I feel like if no, I was no one, no, I know no, you wouldn't no, be annoyed. No. But I know you'd be annoyed. But like this nah. this you know this is the character you've done so well. Yeah, is thank what, you. how do you like how does that feel when someone else? I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm trying to. <laughs> Ask this question in a delicate way, but do you know what I'm yeah. trying to say? I know what you mean. I know what you yeah. mean. No one owns. No one owns a role. No, no. One does. no. Um, you do uh, put your stamp on it, and 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 you're proud of your work, um, of course. And I love the opportunity to play it. Um, but no, no, no one owns it. Um, and it's interesting to see what other people, other people do with it. And usually when they cast other people, that's usually a director's choice because that director wants to put their stamp on it. You know, they want to do their own take on, on the show. Um, it doesn't have much. It usually is not about the studio. Um, it's about the casting director or the director? No, the director yeah. who usually wants to just put their own stamp on something. But like, like Mark to me is the Joker. He is the Joker. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. And then I saw Heath Ledger and I thought, wow, he's not better than Mark, but he's crazy in a whole different way. He's, he's just as brilliant as Mark, but in a different kind of direction. Um, and uh, Troy Baker does a great Joker. Um, so, you know, there, there are different people that, that bring different colors to things. And you can't, um, you can't feel like one actor owns a role. If you, really if you were, ha if you had to pass the baton, let's say to one particular actor to do the Batman voice, is there, <laughs> is there one that you would choose? Of course not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had to ask. I had to, I had to at least. I had to at least try, Kim. I had to at least try. No. Oh, you uh, make me laugh. You make me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so if they, so what's your relationship with Rocksteady these days? Like, how? Because you were you worked with them for what ten plus years? Yeah. And they're over in London. You yeah. know, Arkham Knight, the the third version, the third installment of the trilogy, um, took two years to record. 30,000 lines, am I right? 33,000 okay. lines. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you're very close. <laughs> I was close. Isn't that incredible? That's it's incredible because when you, because of the way it's, you know, depending on how you play, it's, it's all these different rabbit holes you can go down and stuff. And, uh, it was just a massive amount of material to record. Um, that must be the most ever for a video game or close, surely. It must be. I, I have no idea, but yeah. it must be. It's it's massive. So, and it cost them a fortune to do. They made an amazing amount of money on those games. So they made you know their investment back many times over, but it's a lot of money up front. Mm -hmm. um, which is why I think there there hasn't been another one, but boy, I wish they'd do another one. It would be great. It'd be so much fun to do. So you'd be a yes for another. Oh, okay. absolutely. And yeah. They, oh, yeah, and they know that. They know that. They no, know. I've been to visit their offices in London. Yeah. Uh, they're very cool with me. No, we have a great yeah. relationship. They just, um, I think it's just because the initial money is so so much um, that they they haven't done it again. 
Where did. where would you go with the story if they were to do another one? Would you go older older Batman, like Dark Knight Returns style? Well, there are so many ways you could go with it. Mm. Um, I thought what would be interesting is, like at the end of Killing Joke, where Batman almost crosses over um, into mm. the Joker territory. Mm. Uh, I thought it'd be really interesting if if Batman, you know, somehow. I don't know. I don't know. I thought that would be an interesting direction to go in, but um, that's why I'm not a writer and they are. (laughs) (laughs) So like in 20, let's say you, you got the role of a Batman movie game, whatever it was. Um, Do you approach anything differently now than you did when you first did the voice? Is there anything that's changed in terms of the way you approach things now, 30 years on? You know what's challenging about it is keeping it fresh, keeping it alive. And the way I do that is every time I go into a recording um, studio, I always go back into when I'm doing Batman, I go back to that moment when his parents were killed because that was the genesis of the voice for me. Because I really improvised that voice in the audition. I'd never, I'd never done an animated voice i had never auditioned for an animated voice it was my first audition for an animated voice which is insane that doesn't happen that doesn't happen these days that does not happen happen. (laughs) no so you know anyone listening at home that does not happen um literally they casted chris pratt as mario just the other day i've been an actor for like 20 years at that point i'd done a lot of you know, New York theater, off-Broadway, Broadway. I happened to be in L.A. doing a um, a pilot for a series. And um, my voiceover, my commercial voiceover agent said, oh, they're doing a new show at Warner Brothers. Why don't you go over and audition for it? It's, it's Batman. And I was so naive. I said, Batman's been around forever. That's not, that's not new. He said, no, it's never been an animated show. I didn't even know that. So... <laughs> I went in and I met Bruce Tim and Eric Rogomsky and Andrea Romano. I was meeting this, these incredibly talented, brilliant people. And I didn't know who any of them were. I was just an actor going into an audition and they didn't really know who I was. Andrea had heard about me from my New York theater credentials. And a friend of her said, you should see this New York actor. He might be, be the kind of theatricality you need for Batman. Cause they'd seen about 500 people at that point and they could not find the right actor. Wow. That's just crazy. Ironically, it's ironic because everything I had done up to that point, all the theater training, all the Shakespeare and the Greeks and the, the big epic heroic roles, uh, Laertes, Achilles, um, Orestes, um, Lysander, all these uh, Edgar in, in King Lear, Edmund in King Lear, all these big roles were perfect for Batman because that's what he is. He's a big, heroic, epic, classic hero. And it's so ironic. That would be the one role that I would go in on to audition for. It's like fate. Um, And then they put me in the booth and they said, well, I said, well, all I know is the, the, the Adam West show from the sixties. And they said, no, no, that's not what we're doing. We love Adam, but that's not what we're doing. Um, Can you imagine? Yeah, did you know? Bruce Tim. 
Bruce Tim reacted to that. He was like, oh my God, no. He said, no, this is going to be noir and dark and tragic. His parents were murdered in front of him as a child and he's been living to avenge their deaths. So I said, well, let me just, you know, let me just um, think about that and I'll, and I'll improvise something. And so I put myself in the head of this character. And I gradually came up with this sound that just came out and I started doing it. And everyone in the booth, I could see through the glass, got really still. Everything, everything stopped in there. And I knew I'd either totally screwed up or I'd nailed it. It was one extreme or the other because I had their so attention. So you're nervous or what at that point? I wasn't nervous because no. I didn't know who any of them were. And I didn't, I'd never done an animated show. I had nothing at stake. So, so yeah, you were free. Interestingly, I was totally free mm. to totally improvise. And I let myself go to this place and they hired me on the spot. They said, well, that's it. That's it. You nailed it. And um, I didn't know it was going to be more than nine episodes. <laughs> and here we are 30 years later <laughs> talking about it. Oh, Isn't that crazy? Wow. It's, 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 crazy. it's crazy. It's crazy because it, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, I know. I'm I know. like I, the show came out before I was born. I don't want to. Look, oh, thank you for pointing you, that out. No, listen, you don't look a day over 40, okay? So There you me, go. Let That's put, what I want to hear. Let me put that out there in the world. <laughs> um, so how has, how, over the 30 years, how has the role changed you as a man, would you say? As, as in Kevin Conroy, how has it changed Kevin? That's a very interesting question. Thank you. I think, I think what it's done for me... This is interesting. I tended to be, when I was growing up, I was very, um, I was very on my own. I was uh, uh, sort of an island. I, uh, um, I kept my emotions in check. I kept myself in check. Uh, I didn't share my childhood experiences with anybody. And I tended to be um, stoic about what I was going through in life and playing this role and filling that character and going through the emotional journey he goes through and the heartache that he goes through and living that out for the audience. And then having the audience project that character onto me so that when I go to comic cons, or when I meet people on the street, people often just want to hug me. And they say, you don't know what you did for me as a child. That's incredible. You don't know the horrible childhood I had and how Batman was there for me. And you helped me through a dark time. You don't know what this, what you did in my life. And I've always wanted to thank you. And people open up and tell me these amazing stories. And I think, it's it's caused me to open up more mm. um and it's made me a much more um accessible person and a more empathetic person and and realizing that everybody gets beat up by life everybody and we all need compassion from each other Oh, 
that's what I've learned from playing this role, from inhabiting this role, is how universal pain is and how universal triumphing over it is. Because um, I hear amazing stories from people. Oh, I can only imagine from all the Comic-Cons that you've done, you must have met thousands yeah. of fans and just so many different stories. Oh. Yeah. A woman came up to me at the Chicago Comic-Con and she just wanted a hug and I was hugging her and she started to cry. And oh. I, said, it's okay. I said, it's okay. She said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You don't know what you've done for me. She oh. said, I grew, up, I grew up in the projects and I had a really difficult childhood and both my parents were working three jobs just to keep us afloat. And I was alone every afternoon and you were there. You were my babysitter every afternoon and you kept me from getting into trouble. And most of the kids I grew up with ended up either on drugs or in jail. She said, and I have a life, I'm a professional. Mm -hmm. And it's largely because of the time I spent with Batman. And I thought, was that extraordinary for an actor's performance to touch somebody like that? I mean, that's, that's just a blessing. And in particular, know. comic book heroes. I don't hear that a lot about comic book heroes. Yeah. Usually yeah. it's a bit more, you know, campy or fun or whatever the word is there. But for those sort of stories to come out is, yeah, incredible. For no, Del Batman, Batman has a very personal chord with people, very mm. personal. Mm. For Dell here says, ask Kevin about saying Andrea between takes. He'll laugh. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you predict you predict and he'll laugh. <laughs> now you have to tell me this. I think I've heard this story before, but <laughs> Well, you know, when you're doing a fight scenes or anything, Batman never dies, right? Yeah. He, he gets beat up all the time, but he never dies. So they would have me fall off a 20-story building. And I'll go, ah! <laughs> But then there'd be a stay alive moan. And he goes, uh. <laughs> so you know that he's not dead. There's always what's called the stay alive moan. Yeah. So the, yeah. the audience knows he's not dead. He gets, <laughs> he gets hit with a cannonball, you know, uh, and then uh, there's always that stay alive moan. Uh, so one day I was doing the stay alive moan. And you know, the, uh, the director's name is Andre Romano. Yeah, yeah. So I, I did. Ah! Uh, <laughs> Andrea. <laughs> so I did her name in the Stay Alive moan. Well, the, the booth <laughs> thought it was the funniest thing they'd ever heard. Oh, it was like a post-coital moan, you know? And they oh, went. Man. So that became a thing. That became a thing. Every time I would have to do the Stay Alive moan, the Andre Romano would go, and then you say, I go, Andrea. So at the end of the year, she played an outtake reel for everyone. Oh, of that's all crazy. my Andreas that she had put together. Oh, no. What a stitch up. It was funny. It was funny. Oh, that's fantastic. Guys, keep sending in your questions for Kevin here. I'll open it up to the floor. If you've got any questions, send them through to this absolute legend. Uh, Sean here says, but the thesis, let me, let me just say one more thing. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Part. Go ahead. The reason I did that wasn't because I was screwing up during the recording. I used to do things like that on purpose. And Andrea told me, she came to me at one point. She said, I know what you're doing and we appreciate it 
because I was the only steady thing through all the shows. I was the only constant character in all these episodes. We'd have all these incredible guest stars come in. But Batman was the was the through line. So most of these people who came in, or many of them, had never done a recording before, never done voice work before. They were film people and television people. They got all kinds of actors, stage actors. So were you sort of guiding them, were you? Well, I wasn't guiding them, but I wanted them to know that it was okay to be silly, to be to make a mistake, to to shake things up. So I would always do something goofy like that and get the room laughing. And then you'd feel everyone lighten up. And that because actors, when you when you come into a new situation, every time you go into a recording with new actors, there's a tension Mm. because you feel like everyone's judging you. These are actors who've never worked with you before. And everyone's kind of sizing each other up. You know, there's a little bit of- I a, can imagine that's so prominent. That would be a hard thing for me to get over as well. Just the- it's, it's, it's very prominent. It's very mm. common. It's almost a kind of a, a, an athlete's kind of uh, sizing each other up. Kind yeah. of thing. I mean, mm. And so for them to know, okay, the guy who's the lead is, is being a complete idiot right now and making fun of himself- then it makes everyone laugh and everyone everyone relax. I love um, that. So that they could create, you know. So yeah. Andrea and Bruce knew exactly what I was doing. So that's why I did that Andrea thing. It wasn't like I was screwing up. I was intentionally getting people to laugh. I have okay, heard- so what did John say? What did Juan? <laughs> I have heard that before, but that that never gets old. That story. It's always funny. Uh, greetings, Kevin. You were my first Batman. I don't have any questions. But my hopes and my best go to you. May the wind be at your back, sir. Oh. Thank you so much, Sean. Thank you so much. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine soft upon your face. And at the end of the day, may the Lord hold you gently in the palm of his hands. (laughs) Now that you... I love that. Now that you... that, that, That reminds me of a question I had for you. Because I know you've got such an extensive background in theatre, I wanted to know: doing Hamlet, doing Midnight Summer Dream, did they help in your performance of Batman? Oh, absolutely! That's what I meant earlier when I was talking about the epic quality of the character. Right. Okay. I approached him exactly the way I would approach right a, a Shakespearean role. Absolutely. That there that was what was odd about me getting that role is that. Everything I had done, prepared up to that point, led to that. So, isn't it isn't it strange that fate would bring me into that that oh, audition that day? Thank the God, the first audition I'd ever uh, auditioned for in an animated show. It was just strange fate. Thank God you did it. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Nick here says, "Thank you for making my childhood, Kevin." And there's a lot of people saying that. It's very interesting. Oh, that's great. Thank you for making my childhood. Seems to be a very prominent question, uh, comment. Um, Christian here says, what did you think of Roger Craig and Troy Baker in Arkham Origins? I know that there was a funny story there where you you sort of leaked the new game or whatever it was. Do you remember that? The Because there was one game going on and another one and... We don't go there. No, we don't go there. Okay. Okay. We don't go there. We don't go there. (laughs) That was... I mean, that's... 
That's not really your fault, in my opinion. That wasn't my fault. It's not your fault at got, all. I got the blowback for it. Yeah. Because no one told me. That's not fair. No one told me there was another game that was being developed. Yeah. So I didn't know there was an, I didn't know. I didn't know. And yeah. he said, oh, well, this other game's been announced. And I said, really? Our game's been announced? And then it came out that it wasn't the game that I was working on. It was Arkham Origins. Well, Warner Brothers win bananas when they i mean i got in so much trouble but that's because no one warned me yeah i didn't know there was another no game. that's not your fault no um, troy baker is, is troy baker and roger craig smith are really wonderfully talented actors and um i think they did a great job in that it's not kevin conroy but it's okay <laughs> <laughs> uh what dc animated film other than the mask of phantasm was a challenge for you kevin as an actor from Saeed. Um, Killing Joke's got to be up there. Killing Joke, I was going to say, is probably the most challenging, especially um, towards the the end, that, that last culminating scene. Um, yeah, I would say Killing Joke. That was, that was very challenging. Um, but, you know, you know what movie I also really love was uh, Sub-Zero. Um, the opening, but I, I love it, I think, more for the artwork. The opening mm. sequence, there's an opening sequence. I don't know if, if you remember. You're looking, you don't know what you're looking at, but what you're looking at is you're looking up from the ice, from under the ice, and you're seeing the paws of polar bears running across the ice. It's such an incredible image. All of the artwork in that one, I think, is, is really beautiful. But in terms of actors' performance, I would say actually Killing Joke was was the most challenging um, because the journey that Batman goes on in that is very, very challenging and very dramatic. And um, I found it I found it emotionally um, exhausting. And not and it was a quite a tight film. It wasn't a long film either, so you got to do it quickly as well. Yeah. On on. Yeah. Um, that was the challenge in doing that because the script is very small. It was really mm. too small to make a feature film out of, which is why they put that prequel into it. They put a That's sort of right. a yeah, story yeah, yeah. into it. And a lot of the audience didn't like that. But but by doing it in that prequel, they were able to keep the, the body of the story intact and not dilute it. The, the question that the writer said was, well, do we stretch this out to make it into a a feature length movie, or do we do like a prequel to it? Um, and I'm glad they chose to, to not stretch it out. Cause I think it might've just muddied it. Um, so that once you got into the killing joke story, it took off like a rocket. Uh, Chase here. What does Kevin think of the Joker Joaquin Phoenix 2019? I was really impressed uh, yeah. with that. Really impressed with it. I thought he did a wonderful job. Um, um, yeah, and uh, Francis Conroy, um, who's in that movie, uh, was a roommate of mine. Uh, she lived with Robin Williams and myself when we were at Juilliard. I've known Franny for I've known Franny for fifty years. <laughs> wow, wow! Isn't that crazy? Years. Oh my god! Oh that's, my god! That's insane! Wow! That's insane! That's insane! 
did you? Because there's been so many movies over the, you know, Nolan's trilogy. Then you had Ben Affleck come in, and now we've got Robert Patterson. Do you pay attention to those movies? Are you excited for them? Because, like, I can't imagine because you know you've done so much Batman in your work life that outside of work you're looking forward to more Batman. I can't imagine yeah. that. Like, is it a bit like that? To be honest, it is. Yeah. To be honest. I think the audience is more attuned to those live action movies uh, than I am, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Um, I tend to be more of a, uh, more of a reader. I, I can I, tell. I read, any, I any, any recommendations on that side? Um, Recently? Uh, what did I just read? Oh. <laughs> now you're going to kick yourself. I'll think of it a second. I just finished something. <laughs> I'll think of it in a minute. I'll think of it in a minute. Um, blanking. That's all right. It might come back to you. Cast. 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 It's okay. a wonderful book. It's a wonderful book. Okay. I'll have to check it out. Duke, what's Batman's favorite animal? We must know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think I think a lot of the audience knows that I I had I have a I have I had a dog named Angus who was a huge white uh, Labrador retriever, huge, Aww. and it was like a hundred pounds, but lean. I mean, he was just a big lab, and he passed uh, last year. He was fourteen, um, and because he was white, I never saw him aging, and he was so athletic. Suddenly, one day, he couldn't get up. And I took him to the vet to get, I thought, some medicine for him. And I had to carry him in. And the vet said, well, do you want to stay with him? Oh, it's, you give me post-traumatic stress. And she said, well, it's time for him to to leave. Because she said he's 14. He's he's in pain. And I thought, oh, my God, I thought I was coming in for medicine. I didn't know I was going to be. It's the worst, man. Oh, oh, it's the worst. Honestly, it is literally the worst. Uh, yeah, especially Labrador Golden Retrievers. That's that's, I've had them for years. You know, that's that's uh-huh. my that's my dog, man. Uh-huh. I love them. Um, <clears throat> Jocelyn, was there ever a Batman animated series that was only for adults, like too graphic for kids? Well, I guess the animated series is a little bit like that, Jocelyn. Yeah, yeah that's that's some of them. Uh, some of them are very much like that. Um, mm. I'm trying to think. There were a few episodes we thought we thought is is this over the edge? And Bruce Tim, to be honest, liked to push the edge. Mm. Um, he he liked doing that, and um, and the artists liked doing it. It was it was. I'm trying to remember the names of all the episodes. Um, I have heard you quote episode names before, which is impressive for a 30-year-old yeah. show. Perchance to Dream is an episode where I, I, it's one of my favorite episodes. And I think it's one where it's such a psychological drama. Bruce, um, Batman is uh, drugged um, and he goes back into his youth and he tries to heal. Great episode. Um, the relationship with his father and... Mm. Um, I think that was, that was really not really a kid's episode. 
not because it was X-rated or anything like that, but just because it was it was so complicated and it was such a a, a psychological episode. Um, but I don't think any of them were were inappropriate for kids in terms of being X-rated. I think some of them might have been inappropriate for kids in terms of being just so complicated. You know, the stories. Um, some of the yeah, I don't think they ever pushed yeah. pushed it too far, but they they were on that edge, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, hi, Kevin. Like many, you're my first and my only Batman. Very fond memories watching Batman with my dad as a kid. Hoping to see you in the UK sometime soon. Oh, that'd be great. You know, I I um um I haven't done any. Uh, European appearance or, or Australian appearances in a while because of the lockdown, obviously. But um, the last thing I did, you're going to love this was in uh, I've done a couple of shows in Dublin. Um, I've done, I've done a couple of shows in, in London too, but in Dublin, Dublin is a small city and it's a very, um, it's a very cerebral city. Um, it's got a pretty high educational standard. So the audiences tend to be um, young and well-educated. And they love Batman. They just <laughs> go crazy. When I do shows in Dublin, I will be walking down the street and I will hear people out their windows going, hey, it's Batman. <laughs> what are you doing in Dublin? And um, Wow, that's cool. It's so wild. It's so yeah. wild. And um, I did, I got invited to do a one-man show at the Liberty Theater uh, in Dublin. A one-man show, that's intimidating. Like two years ago. And they said, we just want you to to do what you do during Comic-Cons, just tell stories about your life. Just tell stories. And and I thought, this will be so much fun. So I was flying from New York to Dublin. And the day I was taking off, there was two storms coming on New York. They called it a weather bomb. And so all the airports were closed down. And I was tr- desperate trying to get a flight out because the next night I was supposed to be on stage at the Liberty <laughs> Theater and it was sold out and all the flights were being canceled. So I finally found a flight that was co- leaving from JFK. I was at the wrong airport. I gr- jump in a cab, I get to JFK. <laughs> only, one, uh, only one runway was open. Only Sounds one stressful. Runway. So all the flights were taking off and landing from the same runway. So they'd let three planes take off and then three planes would land. Then three planes take off. And I'm looking out the window and I see nothing but red taillights of planes. And I thought, there's no way I'm getting out of here tonight. We're sitting on this plane. So eventually we take off. We land in Dublin like the next afternoon or, or London rather. It's the only plane I could get was to London. Then I had to make a connection to Dublin. That flight was delayed. So I ended up arriving in Dublin at 7.30 at Dublin Airport for an eight o'clock curtain. And I had been awake for 24 hours oh running the airport, trying to get there. I ran to the theater door with my de- bags. I threw down my bags. They said, the audience is here. We're waiting for you. You're on. And, you know, you're already five minutes late. <laughs> I threw water. I threw water on my face. I went running out on the stage. And I had a blast. And the audience had a blast. They had no idea what I had been through to get there. But I had so much fun telling stories about my Irish grandparents. How were you not tired? I was was a zombie at that point. I was a zombie. (laughs) 
but it was fun. Oh, man. That's yeah, cool. I want to come back to the UK, definitely. I'll give you a couple more because I know you're a very busy man and we are very thankful to have you here today. Um, Shatman TV, always a treat to watch Batman animated series as a kid. He just quick note there. Um, Toadstar, did you know anyone within Rockstar Games? Okay, I'll skip that one. Douglas... Have you ever played any of the Arkham games, Kevin? <laughs> I don't think you have, have you? No, I haven't. No. I'm not a gamer. You're not a gamer. But, yeah. you know, I tried once. You know, these Comic-Con um, panel discussions are like 3,000 people. They're huge, huge audiences. Oh, yeah. Yep. And someone asked me that early on in the rock study. I thought, well, I can't admit that I've never played. So I said, of course I have. And they said... What platform? And I thought, or program. I said, program. I said, the one it came with. <laughs> I didn't know what they were talking about. And so the, guy, <laughs> the whole place roared, roared. Oh, no. Wow. And then someone screams out, busted. Oh, I that's pretty. So humiliated. <laughs> I was so humiliated. I said the one it came with. <laughs> so when when like I'm just not a gamer. They showed yeah. me. They've shown me. Yeah. The, the stuff. I know what I know what the performance looks like. So um, So you, but, I'm just, but you, there's no way you've seen all your work. It's impossible, isn't it? Like there's so many lines. I guess you've seen the cutscenes. No you've seen the cutscenes. Yeah. Scenes yeah. Seen of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um have you seen the Snyder Cut, Kevin? <laughs> I mean, so yeah. many people keep asking me about the Snyder Cut. So many fans of Snyder, isn't there? Yeah. Um, the Amazing Webhead. Thank you, Kevin, for making my childhood. I mean, this comment just keeps coming up. It's unreal. Uh, what was it like for Kevin to, to know he was returning in Batman Beyond as an older Bruce Wayne and being a mentor to, mentor to Terry? That was really interesting when they told me they were going to do that. You know, I'm always happy to have more work. Every yeah. actor wants to work. But when they said, you're going to be old Bruce Wayne, I said, wait a minute. <laughs> this is a really rough town. I'm not that old. I'm not, I'm not retired. Why am I old Bruce Wayne? <laughs> um, but it was fun. Um, you know, did you old? Get off my lawn. It was like a really old, cranky, cranky guy. Um but the wonderful thing about that was working with Will Friedle, um, mm -hmm. who is just a great guy. He's a great guy. He's a lot of fun to work with. And um, um, it, was, it was the same creative team. So it was a lot of fun to do. The, 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 the key for me into getting into that character was um, the sense of weight that he would have the sense of his joints not working the way they used to the, the frustration, baggage. the frustration, the baggage of life that he's carrying mm. and the frustration that his joints will not do what he ah, wants. Right. And he wants and to he, be out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wants to still be the hero. Yeah. And his body won't let him. Um, that was, that was the interesting thing about the character for me. Um, uh, and then, interestingly, 
I was asked to do on the um, crossover on uh, um, Infinite Crisis. Oh. Crisis on Infinite Earth. Yeah. Um, to do that, a sort of a version of that. Um, the They put me in that bodysuit, which was really con constricting. Um, but it was that older, um, slightly bitter. You killed uh, that, by the way. That was great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. A lot of people were upset by that because it wasn't the, the Bruce Wayne that they envisioned because he's because he's so bitter and he's so angry. Um, uh, okay. And there's such a darkness to him. And they were like, no, Batman would never do that. Bruce Wayne would never go there. But, you know, the way I played it, I thought if you give and give and give and give and give your whole life and you never get love back, what would that do to you? And that's where I got that. That's how I got to that place for that version of Bruce Wayne is that he's just given it all and he's left angry and empty um, and resentful, uh, which is a really dark take on the character. But that's how I got to that. Version. Even though it is a dark take, that must have been a fun experience, like portraying it as live action and oh, yeah. after all these years. Oh, and yeah, that must have been crazy. Yeah. It was crazy. Do you remember the call when they said you're going to be doing that? Oh, I was so excited. And then yeah. afterwards I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> I've only embodied this character in my head. I've never had to actually use my body. And then they told me I was going to be in a metal suit. And I thought, what? <laughs> um, it was it was challenging. It was challenging. All right. Last one here from Cash, who keeps asking. He wants to know your favorite episode of the animated series. He just started it last night, and he's loving it. Oh, that's great. Well, you have wonderful shows to go into. Many, many, many. My favorite is um, Perchance to Dream. I love that one, which we've already talked about. Yep. There's also a great one, um, although I think this was Justice League. Um, um, what's it? Um, with Poison Ivy, where I sing uh, Am I Blue? Oh, you've got a great you remember scene. That one? Yeah, Did you remember got, that one? Yeah, you got a great that voice, man. And that I've seen your fun. website, beautiful songs. You need to do oh, more of that. You. Thank <laughs> you so much. Um, what was the name of that episode? It's a it's a poison ivy episode. I know the one you're thinking of. The name escapes me. Yeah, me too. Um, but that's, I mean, to be honest, every episode's great in that show, in my opinion. It's maybe I'm a bit Maybe I'm biased. <laughs> No, it's true because oh, have you ever heard of these Mondo posters? Have you seen these? Mondo oh, posters? they're so good, aren't they? They're so beautiful. Oh, I want them all over my wall. I started signing them at Comic Cons, and then I would see these beautiful artworks, and it brought back each episode to me. You know, they yeah. really illustrate each episode so beautifully. Oh, um, talented, isn't it? Yeah. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for coming on the show, mate. It's been an absolute. Sure. A blast to have you on for the last hour. I hope you had fun. I did. I had fun. Thank you so much. I hope I come back to Melbourne soon. Oh, I had a great time there. We'd love to have you, mate. Um, before I let you go, is there anything uh, Batman can say to Dan as we wrap this up? <laughs> Dan, you are vengeance. You are the knight. You are Batman. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. I really appreciate it, mate. Thank you so much for your time, guys. Take make care. sure to get uh, follow Kevin Twitter, 
is the main place, Kevin? It's real Kevin Conroy, yeah. Real Kevin real Conroy. Kevin Conroy. And any upcoming and, projects? And my website is realkevinconroy.com. Any upcoming projects that you want to plug? Any Comic-Cons, anything? Um, DC yeah, fandom? I mean, I, uh, yeah, I'm doing DC fandom and I'm doing, um, uh, I, uh, I think, uh, Albuquerque. Uh, if anyone's in New Mexico, wants to come. And I believe possibly uh, LA Comic-Con. But um, uh, there is a new show, but I don't know if, if I'm allowed to say anything about it. Okay. Um, we'll go quiet for that, just to be safe. Yeah. And I if- mean, they may want me to, but I'm not. I'm always reluctant to say anything until people give me the go-ahead. Yeah, yeah. Just keep an eye on your IMDb, hey? Yeah. <laughs> and anything you want to say to the fans as we wrap up? Just that you are the best fans in the world, and you are the reason that actors have jobs. So- all of us appreciate you so much. Amazing. Take care. Everyone, say bye to Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Really appreciate bye, it, everybody. mate. Take care, mate. Take care. You too.